All right, welcome back, Art World listeners. This is Miss Art World, Catherine, and I am with my very special co-host, Lisa. Hey, hey, guys. Um, and I'm going to gush a little bit. I have um, one of my favorite artists that we are interviewing today. Um, it was our first artist highlight on our first episode ever. Um, we have Kate Durbin here today. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, so Kate is a Los Angeles-based artist. She is a writer, a filmmaker, and um, focuses her work focuses on popular culture and digital media. And I know of your work from your performance pieces. So one of my questions for you, um, you're a writer, you're a poet, uh, performance artist. Uh, would you consider yourself more of a performance artist or more of a writer or is it kind of a all-encompassing of your work? The way I really like to look at it is I like to say my medium is pop culture. So depending on kind of what subject matter I'm working with under that umbrella, whether it's I'm making a piece about selfies or I'm making something about reality TV, then the kind of um, form naturally comes out of the subject matter. So, for example, when I was writing my book, E-Entertainment, I was thinking a lot about transcribing these shows from the visual to the written, um, in part because I wanted people to look at them anew and to think about them in a new way. So, you know, that's part of why I move from between mediums is because, you know, depending on what the topic is, a different medium will make more sense for what I want to do with it. Mm -hmm. So I don't really see myself as, you know, more one thing or the other, but really I'm an artist who works with pop culture. What is it about pop culture that interests you? That's always so hard to answer. I feel like especially because it's really an obsession, and so when you're obsessed with something, it's like, it's almost a compulsion, right? So you're like, why, why do I care so much? You know, why am I so fascinated by this? But I think, you know, part of it is just a feeling of like some alienation from my culture. Like I am drawn to these things, but I also find them disturbing on some level, depends on what it is, right? But, you know, I'm thinking specifically like about, you know, reality television, for example. Like, I love to compulsively watch the Kardashians. I can't stop. But I'm also disturbed by many aspects of, you know, kind of the cultural values that they embrace, embody, enforce, even though I don't judge them specifically for it. It's more like what they kind of have to reveal about our culture and what our culture values. Um, And so it truly is like coming from a place of obsession with things that I would naturally just be thinking about all the time. And so I make work really out of that space. And would you say that your work is critiquing our culture or just kind of taking it in and then presenting it back to us in a way to make us critically think about what is being presented? I think the second way you described that was perfect. I mean, I I do think my work contains critique within it, but I really don't like didactic artwork generally. Sometimes it's, it's, you know, okay, but I feel like the best art is transformative and it's experiential and it's nuanced and it's not just one thing or the other. It's not about, you know, kind of like preaching or finger wagging or something like that. 
Um, so I always want to transform the material enough so that it's it's just art, you know, and different people might read it differently or perceive it differently. In fact, with, um, you know, one of my performances, Hello Selfie, which is the one you guys talked about on your podcast, um, so many people interpreted that differently. Some people were like, she's fiercely critiquing selfie culture. And then other people were like, she's celebrating selfies. <laughs> and I was like, good. I'm glad that nobody has the same opinion because, you know, that to me is a sign of a good artwork. Um, that it has all this space within it and that it really is kind of exploring and transforming something and not necessarily just criticizing it. That said, I do feel like there's some kind of like subverted critique in a lot of my work and that it is there. It's just, I want the reader or the viewer to kind of find it for themselves and make it their own and for it to even be up for debate to some degree. Um, otherwise I feel that it's not a satisfying artwork. To talk about your artwork specifically, you have um, one, and correct me, uh, it's like an online performance piece, the uh, Unfriend Me Now. Would you consider that performance or video? So that's actually a good question. It's it's not actually online. So you viewed it online because I just showed it to you that way, but it's only been shown in gallery spaces. Okay. So there's like a three channel version and a one channel version. And that piece is about Facebook. Um, so I, it's a video artwork, but I am performing in it as mm -hmm. a character called Facebook Clown. And it's really about what I call the hellscape of Facebook. So you may have noticed on Facebook around the time of the election and still kind of trickling into this day, um, things got really intense and a lot of people were kind of declaring for people to unfriend them um, if they disagreed with their politics. Um, and so the piece was created out of that and through some research I did on Facebook as well as about Facebook's role in increasing political polarization and kind of how they, as a corporation, financially benefit from our time spent on Facebook and how rage as an emotion is like extremely valuable to capitalists um, because it keeps people engaged with social media and keeps them, you know, addicted and spending time on it. It's actually so creepy, right? Yeah. Um, which isn't to say, of course, I'm extremely liberal and hate Trump. And really, you know, part of what I was exploring with that piece, too, is just how, you know, Trump's rise, which he really kind of utilized social media so effectively, um, was, I think, in part facilitated by this kind of atmosphere on Facebook. Um, so that piece is a video piece. But, you know, I think what you're noticing is that like a lot of my live performance energies have kind of been lately transformed into video art pieces that I perform in, um, which I like because I have a lot more control over the environment for a video. Like I've reshot that piece so many times and I'm actually about to go make like several hundred more clowns. Oh my god. Oh yeah. It's I was drawing like this big clown map out actually before I came here today and it was oh it's a lot. <laughs> And each really cool. clown, is it a different personality that you are um, taking upon yourself? Yeah, how would I explain it? So Facebook clown is supposed to be basically all of us on Facebook. <laughs> so he, 
or she or them, they um, manifests as like individuals, but it's all one clown. If mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's like different props and different kinds of gestures you probably noticed. Like, um, you know, some of the clowns are more energetic, others are more weary, some are burning because it's hell, mm-hmm. some are going to be later melting. So yeah, there's an evolution Ooh. happening. Yeah. yeah, I'm feeling really inspired by um, William Blake's Dante's comedy. Inferno. Yeah, it's. The sickest art. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) It's very interesting how you're continuing to work on this piece, that it will grow and evolve. Are you still looking at what's happening on Facebook to Mm. use in the evolution of this piece? You know, I... No. So my research on Facebook was kind of narrowed down to the time like nine months leading up to the election and then about the year after the election and I specifically did um, public searches for people's posts where they used the words unfriend and Trump Um, and I collected all of those but they're not actually in the piece in the piece you know the clowns are just screaming unfriend me now unfriend me now Um, And the individual kind of looks of the clowns is also not necessarily directly linked to specific things people said, but I read so many of those posts that they just gave me a sense of kind of what the visuals that would match up with that kind of energy would be. Um, So, you know, you probably saw like the clown marching back and forth with the flag on fire or the one like humping the ground eating Kentucky Fried Chicken. Um, (laughs) They all... They all match those posts on a certain level. So, you know, that's kind of how I'm thinking of it. And then some of the new ones, I can't, I don't want to give too much away, but they reference um, some more pop cultural figures, particularly having to do with the horror genre. So, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the clown, um, I have looked into your piece to know why you picked the clown, but mm-hmm. could you elaborate on the choice of sure. a clown? Also, I just wanted to say something about what you just asked before about it evolving. I thought I was done, but then I just kept feeling like, you know, it's hell. It's about this endless scroll, like that feeling of being on Facebook and you just keep going down your timeline and down your timeline. Mm-hmm. And if you have like, 5,000 friends like I do. Friends, I'm putting that in air quotes. <laughs> I literally your don't know friend. like 95% yeah. of the people on my timeline. You're just like, ah, I like, can't stop and it never ends. And so I was thinking like, well, what would it be like if we were actually trapped in that space forever? Because, you know, the way that social media is um, changing our world in real ways, for example, the election of yeah. Trump, Um, means that it is IRL, it is our real life, right? So in a way, we are stuck in the Facebook hellscape Mm -hmm. forever, or it feels like forever right now. Um, So that's, you know, what I was thinking about. So I was like, God damn it, I got to make more clowns. It's like still not enough. Mm -hmm. And since it's all played by me, it just takes like, it's going to take like, it's already been like a year, so it's going to be like a year and a half. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And now I can't remember what your other question was. I don't either. I'm not sure. Oh, why I picked a clown. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, Well, I was thinking actually about kind of the history of clowning and the jester trickster figure, which is like kind of 
a figure that is really cross-cultural, historical, like think about like Shakespeare's jesters and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's always this figure that can make people laugh while also making them think about truths that are uncomfortable. Also can speak truth to power. So I was thinking about like the power of the tech companies and Mark Zuckerberg's power, although it's not just him alone. He has a whole, you know, coterie of people with him. Um, so it really felt like the clown was the right right figure for that. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people, though, they, they're like, it? Stephen King? Pennywise? I'm like, not really, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. It is such an interesting um, character because we do have so many different types of references in right. our culture that people can associate with it, but it's then you're playing all these different characters. I just think the uh, layering is very interesting. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like that, yeah. When you're making these um, different clown characters, I'm trying to ask, uh, are you by yourself in your studio filming? <laughs> are you like... I wish Panya was with me. Oh. Panya is the cat that is here. <laughs> um, I am not. My partner, Rollin Leonard, is an artist too, and he is very skilled with cameras, lighting. Like, he actually works for this um, company that called Hive Lighting that does these fancy movie lights. Okay. Um, and, cool. he's, and he's a big supporter of my work, which is really nice because all my boyfriends before him were not. Um, and so he helps me, which is really nice. That's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But he's the only one there. Um, I think it would be, <laughs> I mean, I guess other people could watch, but yeah. it would be a bit distracting. Mm -hmm. I like having that privacy. And, you know, it's a physically kind of intense performance because I'm making these loops. So each clown is screaming and jumping around or, you know, whatever they're doing, it has to be on loop. Mm -hmm. um, so I have to do it for a while. The longer the loop, the better, because it looks better okay. on screen. And so... You know, like when I was humping the floor, like the next day I had bruises on my hips. Oh my <laughs> you know, there's just weird problems like that that, yeah. you know. You don't expect. <laughs> you know, if I had like a Hollywood movie studio, they would maybe like have a padded floor under there that was like also not noisy or something. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. Do you have neighbors that are like, oh, no, she's screaming again? <laughs> I've wondered about that, but so far no one has just really wondering. There she goes again, the artist. <laughs> There's a bit of space, and also one of the houses near us is, like, um, for rent. It's been for oh. rent for a long time, and I'm like, good, yeah. because who knows what's going to happen when someone moves in. <laughs> so I'm curious. Um, you're a very successful artist. Um, you've been performed at Art Basel. You're a professor, um, and you're young. How did you... Thank you. I am not that young. You really are, but... <laughs> What has your journey been like? Did you have a career breaking point or high point? What's it called? The big break? Either. Or has it been just hard work, long years? I don't know. For me, I really try to separate the kind of art making process from the external validation process. Um, there's definitely been kind of ebbs and flows throughout my career, and I'm sure there will continue to be. Um, you know, and there's different kind of periods of time where I feel more comfortable putting my work out there in the public eye, and then other times where I want to retreat more and work more on 
the work in privacy and you know it's actually something that kind of gives me quite a bit of anxiety to be honest with you um but i had this great teacher in grad school who said just one thing to me once that stuck in my mind forever and that was um there is no arrival is what he said um in terms of success as okay. an artist and what he meant was you just have to keep making things keep putting it out there and you can't really control you know how people are going to respond to it or kind of you know what where the zeitgeist is at at a specific moment mm -hmm. um you know i don't make a living from my art so you know some people would probably see me not as a success if you know they want to be like a commercial artist who sells their work and makes their living that way yeah. um, but I always wanted to make avant-garde work so that's you know to me a successful life is one where I'm uncompromising as an artist and I make the work that I want to make and fuck you know everything yeah. beyond that um, and so I have to have a job yeah. <laughs> you know so I teach and I love teaching but that's a lot of work too, you Definitely. know? So it's always just this balancing act and, you know, I'm making decisions day to day to try to prioritize my work and move it forward. Mm -hmm. And then the work also like dictates how long it's gonna take. So yeah. for example, with the Facebook clown, you know, he's taken over my life for a while now. I thought it was gonna be like a one month yeah. thing and, you, you know. <laughs> Oh, yes, I've been possessed by yeah. a clown. Oh. <laughs> That's the whole title of this. Possessed by a clown. That's really cool. So all right, one more question for you, because you do do performance art as well. Right. Um, and Katie has, Catherine has tried to explain it um, as a performance artist, but we always get these hiccups with people not really understanding it. Do you have your own definition of, performance art that you explain to people? Hmm. I'm trying to think of the last time I had to explain performance art to somebody. I don't know. I mean, I I guess when I'm with kind of everyday people who don't aren't That's as, me, y'all. Yes. <laughs> wonderful everyday people. I usually talk to them about kind of the pop cultural topics that I make mm -hmm. work about because I find like part of why I like making work about pop culture is that most people know about it and have some kind of feeling or thoughts about it and so I can engage with anybody on that level about the work and then I try to kind of gently explain whatever I've done to the pop cultural material okay. just a little bit yeah. you know because I do think people often feel like the art world is kind of a mean and harsh place um, that's very elitist mm -hmm. and so I don't like that you know I, I I want more art in the world, not less. And I think that, you know, more people would probably be into art if the art world was a little bit more friendly. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, but that's sort of avoiding your question because I actually, I don't know how to define performance art. I'd have to think about that's it. That's okay. No worries. Yeah. No <laughs> so um, with your pieces, you don't have them up on like YouTube or anything like that. You're more private. Is that more of your personal um, decision or is that from an artist's perspective you want to have like the transfer gallery able to show your piece to an exclusive audience as a working artist? That's a great question. Yeah. Um, initially when I first started doing performance and also, you know, this 
has changed for me as the internet has changed too. So, you know, in the earlier days of the internet, um, I, like a lot of other artists, found the internet a very useful tool to reaching an audience with my work, especially like because my work was unconventional. Um, and then now the internet is a, like, horrible place to be. <laughs> I mean, it's not all bad, but, you know, um, clearly, like, my work about the internet has taken a different yeah. turn. It's, it's The nice thing about Facebook Clown is uh, he's funny in addition yeah. to dealing with the horrors, but, um, you know, that's part of it is, like, I do wish to be more private now. Um, I had a piece, actually, called The Supreme Gentleman, which was about, um, or I still have this piece, um, that I did as a live performance first and then made into a video artwork about Elliot Roger, the Isla Vista shooter. Um, so Elliot Roger was an incel, which probably, does your audience know what, who incels are? No. They're these men who deeply hate and want to kill women. So they're like internet misogynists. Um, wow. And they often don't have sex and are just like really resentful about it. Um, and they've kind of formed these online communities, which is really creepy because, you know, they're encouraging each other. Um, and Elliot Roger was a, you know, a mass shooter. Um, so he talked on all these internet forums with other incels and then, you know, basically said what he was going to do, announced it on YouTube, then went out and killed a bunch of women um, and some men as well. And so I made this piece that I performed at the Yes All Women Benefit in Los Angeles about Elliot Roger. And um, it was a really intense performance. I like re-performed his final video in the, what I call a Mickey Mouse voice that kind of transforms into a demon voice. Um, and there's other elements to the performance as well, but it's like a physically very grueling performance to do because it's very hard on the vocal cords. And then of course he's like, a terrifying he was a terrifying person and what he did was so terrifying so to kind of embody his words is really hard but it's you know also about kind of um, you know fighting back in a way against what he stood for um, but then I had this idea which was to put that video back on YouTube um, and then I started to get of course now looking at it people are like why would you do that but um, I started to get all these creepy kinds of and just horrifying, you know, comments from other incels. And so I was like, oh, shit, I need to take this down. Like, I could actually be killed. Yeah. You know, it was d physically dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think that was kind of the first moment where I started to think about, you know, well, what do I want to put up? What do I not? Um, you know, and right now I don't have many of my videos or performances online just because there's so much kind of content online that people can access and I do you know want it to be shown in the right context a thoughtful kind of art context um, and then also you know if someone's going to buy it or a museum's going to buy it or something like that they're more likely to be interested in it if it is um, you know not just splattered all over the yeah. internet. Um, but, you know, it's it could change in the future. Maybe I'll want everything to be. I do like when anyone yeah. can access the work, you know, but it's, I don't know. Uh, no, I think that's a great point to think about, too, is mm -hmm. being a museum quality performance artist mm -hmm. um, among other art mediums. But with the popularity of YouTube and right, can't, are you giving up one to get 
gain the other. Right. That's that's a tough decision. Thoughts? No, I think that's great. Answering <laughs> my question because I put everything up on YouTube, mm-hmm. and I right. think for me it's because I'm an, an emerging artist, so I'm trying right. to get my name yeah. out there. But um, I think it's really interesting to have that perspective of presenting your work in a art context, right? Versus just online and people stumble across it and are like, well, "What the heck am I watching?" Yeah, right, um, right. And you have other pieces that are internet pieces mm-hmm. on your website. Um, a B R A. Can oh, you explain Abra. that? Abra. I was yes. like, I don't know what this is. At all. <laughs> so she, she doesn't know. She just spells. <laughs> <laughs> that works. Um, do, do you know what that is? Abra. Well, we made that word up, if that helps. Got it. It's like abracadabra. Yeah, it is yeah. like abracadabra. Yes, yeah, right. I got good. you. It's actually an app. So you could download it if you have iOS. So if you have an iPhone oh, or an iPad. Sorry, peasant. <laughs> <laughs> you can download it. Um, so it's not online, but it is a free app. And it's um, we call it a living text. So I say we because I made that with two collaborators, Ian Hatcher, who's a programmer, and Amrith Worsik, who's another poet. Um, and it's this interactive spell book. It's one thing we call it. But it's really interactive poems. So it's this... We conceived of it as like a living poetry book, so the words kind of move on the page, and then you add your own language to Abra, and then she incorporates that language into um, kind of her database, and then you see it like pop up at other points in the book, so it's like you become kind of a, a part of the book, and your words become a part of it. And you can do all kinds of other things with it, too, like you can... Um, go into different modes so there's like you can mutate the text you can evolve the text we were really thinking about kind of how the book itself like books are a form of technology that have been changing you know throughout um, the centuries since you know the beginning of books and um, now with you know the internet and with apps and things like that, the book can kind of further evolve in new ways where readers can encounter a text in a new way. They can co-author it with the other authors. Um, You know, the words can move on the page and uh, you can create a poem in a whole new way where as, you know, when you use a pen and paper or even, you know, Microsoft Word, um, it's different. So that's what Abra is. Very cool. And so on iOS, that is... uh, Abra, a living text. Yes. If anyone wants to find it and download. And it is free. It is free. And your books are for sale on your website. They are. And they're also on Amazon. So not that, I mean, Amazon is evil, but you can also get them there. (laughs) But convenient. (laughs) Yes. Facebook clown has gotten many props on on Amazon. Oh, okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can find anything on there. You really can. (laughs) Um, Do you have anything coming up as far as readings or gallery shows? I'm hoping, I just wrote a book about the show Hoarders, um, reality TV show Hoarders, and I'm sending that out to publishers right now. So hopefully that will come out, you know, sometime soon-ish. And then I'm finishing this body of work that Unfriend Me Now is a part of. There's also a piece about Brett Kavanaugh I'm finishing. Um, and then another piece about Ivanka Trump. 
Um, so when those are finished, I'm going to have a solo show, but I just don't know where and when yet. Awesome. So, yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> but uh, you can uh, find out if you follow, um, sign up for my mailing list at katedurbin.la. Do you have any advice for performance video artists that you would share? Maybe, um... Can you narrow the question? Like advice in a specific um, category? So I guess performance art is hard. Yes. Usually uh, there's a lot of galleries out there who are uh, scared to show it if you haven't been performing or if they can't see a video of a performance piece. Right. Um, so finding space, um, you usually don't get paid, which usually if you're doing performance art, that's not something you're worried about, but it's just kind of the hurdles of getting a gallery, like transfer gallery, um, to show your work. Yeah. You know, it is hard. Um, and something that I really did a lot of in my earlier career days and also would not be opposed to doing again if I needed to, um, it's really good if you can think outside the box in terms of getting an audience's attention. So like when I did that first Hello Selfie, um, I had never worked with transfer and I wasn't with transfer. Um, I just knew that I wanted to do this performance piece and I knew I wanted to do it with a bunch of other women and for us to perform taking selfies for an hour straight in a public space covered in Hello Kitty stickers, not talking to the audience, what I call passive-aggressive performance art, (laughs) Um, you know, in order to kind of explore the selfie phenomenon and also thinking about, you know, how looking at our phones all the time is changing our focus and attention and interaction with an audience. Um, And when I, like, pitched this idea around, people were like, no, or like, what what is that that's like nothing like I got that a lot like that is that's nothing you know because it didn't sound like anything I guess on the page I think people have no vision but um so I was like well I'm just gonna have to do it because I knew once people saw it it was going to be very beautiful and also very compelling so I just had to have this like faith in my vision that it would succeed once people saw it um and I really had very big balls in my early days of, <laughs> I try to remember that now even. Um, it's very helpful to channel that, yeah. that energy. Time, I had big balls. <laughs> my balls were huge. Yeah. <laughs> I like hung down to the floor. Um, and so, f- and I remember even like a friend of mine who was a curator, I was like, can I do this for Perform Chinatown? And she was like, oh, but we have a theme, which is like a really common annoying problem in the art world Mm -hmm. with like any kind of group show or anything it's like our theme is this very specific thing and it's like I don't want to make work for your theme like I want to make my work but anyway um she was like sorry and I was like you're my friend okay and then but she remembered that I'd asked and then later she ended up not curating perform chinatown because there was some kind of chaos and she's like oh hey there's this new person coming on to curate and she doesn't care what anyone does it's just going to be a hot mess chaos fair and i was like great i'm gonna do it and so i then i just 
you know, and no one was like encouraging me or supporting me. It was like I had to just do it. Um, and so that was how Hello Selfie like made it into the world was that I just kept trying to put it in these different contexts. But when that happened, I was also like prepared to just go somewhere and do it and film it and photograph it. Like I always made sure to have a good person photographing and very good um, videography. And that was like where some of my money went um, because I just wanted to make sure it looked great and looked professional. Um, and then when I did that, because the piece was also online, um, somebody who was a transfer artist saw it and then they're like, oh, Kalani, look at this. You should have her come to New York and do it. And that's wow. how it happened. And, you know, it wasn't like my life radically changed or anything, but it was a really good kind of lesson and just like find a way to get it out there keep honing your vision and you know you can't you really can't take no for an answer because even now you know my work is very avant-garde so it meets a lot of resistance from kind of institutional powers and I really have to just keep doing it keep trying and like kind of bolster myself against rejection because I get rejected a lot like a lot of people are like no I don't, what is this like clowns are scary or whatever it's like hmm okay That's crazy. <laughs> I'm not gonna stop so no, you can't stop. <laughs> no um so I think for performance artists in particular you know you can think about ways to make your work a spectacle to make it so kind of strong and eye-catching that eventually a gallery will get a clue you know and an institution will get a clue and part of what you can do is public art which is what hello selfie was like I went outside into Chinatown where mm -hmm. I knew people would be it was for perform Chinatown but I could have also theoretically done that any Saturday there you know um and then I also just contacted people I knew in the arts and was like hey I'm doing this hey I'm doing that um I always you know was a very good little PR person for myself um and I think you have to really do that too like be your own advocate you know don't take it personal if no one responds or whatever because, you know, it just takes time to build that momentum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you've done the selfie um, performance with men, right? Yes. How did that one Hello, go selfie over? men. Yeah. <laughs> that one was hard, actually. <laughs> um, it was great, though. But, yeah, it was tough to get them to do it. They, like, really resisted me. Um, the men really? did? Yeah. I mean, it, it was – there might have been a few factors involved because it was in Australia. I was the okay. – um, an artist in residence for Arts Queensland and um, it was in Brisbane which is like not it's not like Melbourne which is really kind of the arts city mm -hmm. um, and so I didn't know any of those men very well um, but I also think it was just sexism um, because you know the thing that I was exploring with Hello Selfie Men was what I call the invisibility of the male selfie like it's really, we're used to seeing women's selfies and women are mocked for taking selfies, but of course women are highly objectified in the culture. So it makes sense for them to be thinking of themselves as objects and taking all these selfies. And there's this idea that selfies are, you know, um, effeminate or something silly that women do. And so, you know, I had to sit through a lot of lectures with men I was asking about like why they thought selfies were stupid and you know why they wouldn't do that and they were so patronizing to me yeah. um, but you know that kind of becomes part of the work too is just 
you know, that struggle and that kind of conversation with the men of Brisbane, Australia about selfies. And there's this kind of like rugged Australian kind of masculine stereotype, you know, and it was real. I met it and it was, huh, I had to fight it, but, you know, wrestled it like a kangaroo and. Uh, Good job. <laughs> <laughs> That's fascinating. Would you consider doing that piece here in LA again, seeing as um, quite a bit more men out here do take selfies? Yeah, I know the selfie <laughs> has evolved, hasn't it? And I was thinking about that too, like that men, men do take selfies and that it's like more culturally acceptable now. I feel like especially in LA where... Yeah. We got so, yeah. dick pics and gym pics. Yeah. And, Our yeah. men love themselves. They do. <laughs> I wanted to do it actually at um, one of the museums here with like all of these famous art world guys. Uh-huh. And, you know, <laughs> like I wanted like Jerry Saltz in it. I never pursued it. At a certain point, I'd done four Hello Selfies, okay. you know, and the last one was at um, the Pulse Art Fair. And, you know, they released their phones at sea. Um, and I felt like it was maybe, maybe not finished forever, but it was time to move on to a different project at that point in time. Mm-hmm. But I would, I would consider revisiting yeah. it, but I would need to have institutional support and, you okay. know, cause I pay my performers now and I, you know, it, it looks like it wouldn't be, you know, but it actually oh yeah adds up so Definitely. quickly. Yeah. 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 How do you go about kind of, I guess, ending a project like that because I feel like as a performance artist it could become easy to be caught up in one performance that galleries want you to keep coming in right because I know you get asked about the couch performance more often than other pieces oh, the couch performance sounds exciting you like the couch <laughs> although oh, yeah. I immediately thought of Tom Cruise um, <laughs> <laughs> so I have a, a very uh well-traveled couch that my poor husband's like not this one again we Aww. literally have to take our couch in our living room and deliver it into a gallery space for like three months. That's well, amazing. <laughs> but I imagine it's gotta be tough, I mean, for both of you, to have a piece where you don't ever wanna say no to an opportunity. Right. But at the same time, as an artist, you have to move forward and not just be known for one thing. Right. So it's, I don't know, how do you find that line in the sand? I mean, I've probably done the wrong thing, honestly, which is I've just was like, no, I'm done. You know, if it had been a big opportunity, mm-hmm. like, you know, a big institution asked me to do it, I would have, but I've had, you know, multiple different smaller kind of venues, you know, and I don't know if they were even that small, asked me to keep doing Hello Selfie. Um, And I just said, you know, no. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Um, Because I felt like I'd done it enough times and it would need to be a bigger opportunity than the Pulse Art Fair for me. And it, I did need to do other work. Yeah. And it's, you know. I'm always thinking long game, like I want to create this body of work during my lifetime and I don't want to just repeat myself. But I know like a lot of very successful artists, like look at Kusama, just, you know, she makes those dots. Mm -hmm. She's still making them. Yeah. You know, I love them and she's one of my favorites, but I do wonder, I'm like, is it, you know, partly because that's whatever the people want, want you know? Yeah. And like you said, you're not a commercial artist where you're having to make money. You're having to do the same artwork over and over. You have this kind of control with your right. own work. Which but is also, nice. if people were like paying me bank for Hello Selfie, I might have been like, sure, this can be my job <laughs> yeah, instead right. of teaching. <laughs> the new tunes, would you like another dog? <laughs> <laughs> <Don't run it> up. <laughs> 
Totally. Yeah. Uh, so if people want to follow you, you are on Instagram. I am. Um, and it's Kate Ann Durbin on Instagram. Yes. A-N-N-E. Yes. Yep. And, and website. Website. Kate. Kate Durbin, Durbin. dot L-A. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Well, Kate, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to it. So I'm glad we finally did it. This was awesome. Yeah. We All super right. appreciate it. Yeah, we super do. Well, I super do too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we love you guys. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.